your Bibles this morning to John chapter 21. We're talking through right now, as you probably know, uh, we're talking through the gifts that God gives us. And so, of course, Pastor Joe started this series off a few weeks back um, on Thanksgiving. Last week we talked about forgiveness. And now this week we're going to talk about the gift of another chance. And, and when God gives gifts, God doesn't just give gifts that are nice things. God gives gifts we both need and want and use. Now, I'm a dad, and so... When I give my kids gifts, which I like doing, I enjoy that. It's fun to watch my kids open up presents on Christmas morning. But what I don't like seeing is I don't like seeing those gifts sit in their closet unused all year long. Can I get a witness this morning? Anyone with me on that one? Yeah, that, that bugs me. Like, come on, I, we bought you this present. And I've like, seen it like one time. And so this year uh, for Christmas, my kids are getting boxes, pens, paper, and scissors because that's all they care about. And so, uh, but no, I'm just kidding around. No, they're going to get more than that. But, uh, but it, is, it is awesome that our God, who is, a, who is the greatest father, gives us gifts that we both want, need, and use. And this morning's, this morning's gift is potentially, and perhaps as we go kind of through these, but this morning's, the, the stakes could not be higher on this gift that God gives us. And so this morning, we are again looking at the gift of another chance. Now, here's a truth that I want to start off with this morning. As long as there's breath in your lungs, you have another chance, right? And some of us this morning need to hear that because this is the end of the year. Now, with the end of the year comes the inevitable time for us to look back on the year and realize and think about how it went. Because for some of us, it didn't go as well as we thought it was going to go. Maybe you had great plans for 2019, and you found that here at the end of 2019, they haven't come out like you thought they would. Anyone with me on that this morning? You, you have moments of things. My, my hands are raised. There's things I wanted to do this year. I look back in my goals, and I think, man, I didn't do this as much as I wanted to. And what sometimes happens as a result of that is the reason is because we have failed right? We messed up. We looked back in the year and realized we blew it in some way. Now, one way in which I blew it is at the beginning of the year, I got a free uh, gift. I got a, a free coupon for a free sandwich at Chick-fil-A. And so I've been at Chick-fil-A a bunch of times this year, and I haven't used it once, right? And so it's sitting in my, my wallet, and it's like taking up space in my wallet. And I'm like, I keep forgetting, man, I have blew it big time. No, there probably are some bigger things in your life that you might have blown it on, and you look back now and you realize, man, I wish I would have done this differently. You see, this is the good part about this time of the year. Is we are reminded once again that as long as there is breath in your lungs, God has given you another chance. And this morning we are looking at that, that through a story, a well-known story in the book of John, again, chapter 21. And it's this gift of another chance is wrapped up in a way that you might not expect. And we're going to spend a lot of time today on this chapter, but we're going to kind of fast forward through for the, at first today. And we're going to look at the middle of the chapter starting in verse 15. So read with me today if you would. And it says this. It says, when they had finished breakfast. Oh, come on, somebody. Probably eggs and bacon sauce. I mean, it's probably good. Can you imagine Jesus making breakfast? Man, that had to be good. And so when they finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of, son of John, do you love me more than these? 
So he, of course, being Peter, said to him, Lord, yes, of course, you know I love you. So he said to him, feed my lambs. Jesus said to him a second time and said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, of course, you know I love you. So he said to him, tend my sheep. And he said to him a third time, he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now, Peter was now grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? He said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And so Jesus said to him a third time, feed my sheep. Now, why the triple interrogation right here? You know, maybe you've heard this passage before, talked about, you probably have at some point. I certainly have a lot of times in my life. And one time I heard someone say that this was a result of Jesus uh, looking back on Peter's betrayal. So, of course, we know earlier uh, that Peter betrays Jesus three times. And so, because of that, Jesus now a few, uh, just a short time later, Jesus, knowing what Peter had done, looks back and now Jesus says, well, since you denied me three times, now, Peter, I'm going to make you say you love me three times. And so I've heard that said before. Is that what's happening here? See, I don't know if Jesus is quite that petty. I, I don't think he probably is. You see, there's something here happening that we have to hear. So go back to the first part of the chapter of verse 1 of chapter 21, and it says, after this. Now you have to first ask the question, after what? After what are you talking about? After you forgot your Chick-fil-A? No, after what? Well, what happened at, before this is quite a lot, right? We know, of course, that Jesus had, had died in the cross, that he had risen again, that he saw Mary, he saw some of these women. He had made an appearance to them. The stone was rolled away, as we probably all well know. There's some famous things that had happened. He had appeared already. Now, this we see here in chapter 21 is the second time Jesus appears to these disciples um, after he had, he had resurrected. So he had already appeared to them. And they were, they were holed up in the upper room, right? They were afraid of the Jews. And so they were kind of behind a closed door. And so they were just kind of hanging out there like, we don't want anyone to know where we are. And so they're locked away. Jesus walks through that door, and he comes in and appears to them. It was pretty awesome. I can't imagine being there. I mean, it had been, been remarkable. And, of course, doubting Thomas, doubts he says, I won't believe it until I see it and put my hand in his, in his side. Of course, Peter denies Jesus Three times to a young girl, Peter had failed. After all of those things, the verse here says, Jesus revealed himself again. Now, if you have a paper Bible today, underline those words, Jesus revealed himself again. If you don't, if you have your smartphone, highlight that and keep that way because that is a key to this passage. Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Now, why does he do this? Why? Well, because that's exactly what they need, especially Peter. We're going to find as the story unfolds that Peter is a big part of what's coming here in this story. Why does this happen? Well, the reason is it's because Peter needs this to happen. Peter needs to hear from God at this moment. Peter needs a revelation from Jesus at this moment as he licks his wounds of failure. As he looks back on what had happened the three times that he denied Jesus, that wasn't that long ago. And you know how it is when you fail, when you mess something up, it's like the whole world's looking at you, right? 
They're like, you have failed. There's a big fat F on your chest. And you're like, everyone knows what I did. I failed. Well, they probably don't know as much as you think they do. But that's how you feel. And Peter, now I don't know Peter personally, but I know Peter's type because I am what one of those kind of types, people. And so I know what's going on in his mind. I promise you that he has not forgotten about what had happened just a few short moments before he finds himself in this spot. He's licking his wounds of defeat. Back to verse 1 again. After this, Jesus reveals himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, two others of his disciples were together. And Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boats, but that night they caught nothing. There's two words that we're going to focus on, boat and night. These two words are really important. You see, when John uses the word night in his gospel, uh, John uses this word. It's an interesting usage of this word. It's not just the word night. When John uses this throughout the entire gospel, there is always an ominous presence with this word. Let's look back at a few examples. There is one here in John chapter 3 when Nicodemus, who of course was a, a, a religious leader, comes to Jesus under the cover of night. He doesn't want anybody else to know what's going on, so he comes under the cover of night. Of course, John chapter 9. Jesus says he must work while it's day because night's coming when no one can work. John 11 says if anyone walks at night, they will stumble. And of course, in the last one here, John 13, Jesus predicts his betrayal and excuses his betrayer from the table. Of course, it's Judas, and Judas gets up. And the Bible here, John, makes a point to say he gets up and walks out into the night. So when John uses the word night, John oftentimes, I believe, wants the reader to think in terms of what's happening. Something insidious, something dark is happening in this moment. You have to hear this. You have to see the, the gravity of this moment that's happening right here. It's a giant, giant moment. Because again, th three years before this, Peter, who was then known as Simon, was called by Jesus. I'm sure Peter looks back and thinks way back three years and all the things that have happened in those three years. And he's maybe thinking, wow, if I could only go back to how it was. Things were good back then. Things were wonderful. And of course, then comes the whirlwind of these three years. The miracles. The moments. The Pharisees being talked down. I mean, there are some incredible things that Peter witnessed in those three years. But then at the end of those three years was not a crown, but a cross. And Peter, to add insult to injury, plays a big part in this at the very end. Very publicly, Peter denies Christ three times. The dream is over. Peter had failed, and there was, those things were memories. There were distant memories that night as Peter led his friends into the boats to go fishing. You might say, you might ask a question, which I did as well. You might say, well, what's the big deal here? It's some buddies going fishing. I mean, people do that all the time. Why is this such a big deal? Well, the, the reason is, is that this was no ordinary fishing trip. 
According to historians, Peter had a very wonderful house in, in Capernaum. It was a beautiful place. Peter, as historians have shown us, Peter was no poor uh, young man. Peter was actually quite wealthy. He was a fisherman. He owned a large fishing business who was quite successful before coming to Christ. So when Jesus calls Peter, Jesus is not calling some poor guy that has no other options. Peter was a wealthy, successful businessman. And so when Jesus calls Peter, Peter, and when Jesus says, take, leave it all and come follow me, Jesus is calling Peter to something big. And we know that Peter says, yeah, absolutely. He throws it all away, and he comes, and he follows Jesus. What you're reading here in this passage is not some relaxing fishing trip with friends. What you're reading here is Peter saying, I quit. I quit. I'm disappointed. Things didn't work out like I planned. There are clues and there are words in this passage that show us that this was no ordinary moment. Peter says, I quit. I'm walking away. I'm a fisherman. I'm going back to fishing. There's my boat. There's my nets. There's my stuff. Guys, are you coming with me? And of course, these disciples said, well, yeah, we'll come with you too. So these guys, they get out into the boat. You see, Peter says, I quit. The dream is dead. Now, I can imagine what's happening here is Peter's probably saying, that was a nice three years. It was really fun. It was really cool. We got to see some cool things. We got a really great experience. It was awesome. It was amazing. But guys, I'm a fisherman. And I got a big house. I got lots of boats. I got lots of stuff. I, I, I can do it again. I did it once. I can do it again. The dream is over. I'm going back to how it was. Come with me. It's going to be great. So Peter does this. Peter, of course, is, begins to make this great plan, doesn't he? Now, how many of you know sometimes that there, when there are dark moments in our lives, we have to make a plan, right? If you're like me, when things are difficult or dark or tough, man, i got to have a plan to get out of that thing. Peter does that in this moment. But I want to encourage you this morning to be careful what you do in dark times without a revelation from God. What's so cool here about this story, though, is that Peter, who is about to make a big decision, God has bigger plans for his life. Remember, that's the key to the passage. Remember, Jesus revealed himself again to these guys. Back to the text. They went out into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. Imagine the situation. I mean, that's like insult to injury, right? You, you know, I mean, Peter has, it's the, the dream's dead. He's failed. Things are not good. And so he says, well, I know, I don't know a lot, but I do know one thing. I know how to fish. I'm going back out there. I'm going to do what I know how to do. It's going to be great again. So he does this thing again, and he gets out there, and he catches nothing. He's skunked. The professional has nothing. See, when they, they thought that they could do what they could only do, they even failed at that. You ever been there before? I have. When you have failed and you have failed and you have failed, and then you try to do what you know to do, and even that fails. See, when, 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 this, when the text here talks about this happening at night and how this works out, again, this is, a, this is a dark time. But just about when you are about to quit, there he is. Listen as verse 4 goes. 
Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know it was Jesus. So here's this dude on the shoreline. They're like, who is this guy? And so he says to them, children, do you have any fish? Now, I'm not a fisherman much, but I've been around fishermen. And so I know when you get skunked and you're out all day long and you're fishing, you're not in any mood at that point to be like, yeah, things are great. You're like, you're, you're ticked. You're like, come on, I got skunked. And so here's this guy saying, you got any fish? And they say, well, no. I like, I like that because it's like, we read this rules, no. They probably were pretty ticked about this. These guys got skunked. And I'll bet you the whole time Peter is out on the water saying, guys, it's going to be great. I fished this before. I've done this before. I've been here before. Let's move over here. It's a great spot here. I know three years back, I would just nail them right here. There's a ledge right here. Let's fish right there. What they probably were fishing for was tilapia. This, 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 this body of water was teeming with tilapia. And so they're probably out there. And tilapia were, was worth a lot of money. And so they're working it. They're trying their best. They're doing the stuff. And Peter's like, it's going to get better. It's going to get better. It's going to get better. And then it doesn't. And they come back in the, in, into the shoreline, and they have nothing. And then here is this dude on the shoreline with the audacity to say, hey, I got an idea. Why don't you go back out there and, and fish on the other side of the boat? Now again, now, okay, so imagine here today, you are an expert professional fisherman, and I, me, the know-it-all Steve, who has a, no idea how to fish, comes along and says, hey, you catch anything? No? Hey, why don't you try the other side of the boat? And you're like, who's the funny guy here? Right? Like, what's going on? You guys probably, James, James probably said, who's the funny guy? Thomas said, I doubt it's going to work, right? That's what Thomas does. And so John, of course, says, well, we didn't catch a thing all night. Well, what do we have to lose? And the Bible says that they cast their, sea, their nets into the sea on the other side, and the sea begins to swell. It begins to come to life. As the Bible describes this, it says fish are jumping into their nets. And they're catching so many fish, they can't reel them all in. It was an incredible experience in moments. And at that point, as the text continues, John says, it's the Lord. Duh. Right? I mean, come on. Of course it's the Lord. And, then when, and this is what I love here. When Simon Peter hears it was the Lord, he says he put on his outer garment because he was stripped for work. Now, if you're wondering where I get my idea here, this is one spot. See, if you were a commercial fisherman, what you did is before you went out, you stripped down your skivvies, and you got into the boat, and you were ready to work because it was a filthy, nasty, wet job. You would never be encumbered by an outer garment. You would never be encumbered by, by clothing, to be honest with you. So a professional fisherman stripped down for work. No one else does that. If you are fishing with your buddies... You are not taking off your cloak to go out and work. You are wearing this. And so when Peter sees that it's Jesus, he puts his cloak back on. Again, you're like, well, he's going for a swim. So why would he do this? Well, because that, the text wants us to know it's happening. So he puts his cloak back on and jumps in full force just like Peter does and swims out to Jesus and like Peter does, lets the other guys do all the work while he does all the talking. I love Peter. And so he continues here. Now, wait a minute this morning. 
Because this moment is really, really familiar. And you might say, well, I've heard this before. I've heard this story before. This actually is the second time this similar thing happens. Because Jesus here performs a miracle. He, he does something that's absolutely remarkable because he, he takes Peter back. He brings him back in his mind and his heart to this very spot that Peter first fell in love with Jesus and first realized that Jesus was worth it all to throw everything aside and come follow him. Listen to the, Peter's call from the very first moment way back in John, I'm sorry, in Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. This is a different moment. Okay, it's going to sound the same, but it's not. Listen to what it says here. It says, on one occasion... While the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret when he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out into them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon, Peter, Peter, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And as he was Jesus, sat down and taught the people from the boats, and he had, had finished speaking, he said to Simon, hey, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon had answered, Master, we toiled all night long and took nothing. The pro got skunked. But at your word, I will let down the net. And when they'd done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. And they signaled to their partners on the other boat to come and help them. Then uh, they had filled both boats, and so that they could, they began to sink. And so when Simon Peter saw this, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, from a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. Now listen to who else is there. He says, And also there were James and John, sons of Zebedee, as were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid, for now on you will be catching Men, that's the call that God placed on his life. It's a call that God placed on his life from day one of his life. See, this didn't all of a sudden just kind of happen here uh, along the way. This is who Simon Peter is. He's not a fisherman of fish. He's a fisherman of men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything. And they followed him. Now, does that sound familiar to you as it does to me? As I promise you, it sounded to Simon Peter that day. As he got up in the morning on a dark, dark day, licking the wounds of failure and defeat, gets into a boat with his friend and says, Guys, I, I've had it. I'm done. I failed. Maybe we failed. The dream is over. The time is gone. It's behind us. Our best days are behind us. And so let's go back to doing what we once did. Let's catch some fish. I promise you, Peter's thinking that, and, 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 and that's a pretty cool moment as the band comes forward to begin to play, prepare to play for us. I, I got a question for you this morning. Do you remember that moment in your life where, like Simon Peter, you first realized that Jesus was enough? That Jesus was, that, 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 that just, just him, that just what he was, what he spoke, what he preached, that that's enough. And I'm going to give my whole life and my whole heart and my whole everything to him. Do you remember that moment in your life? 
Because here's what happens sometimes. Because we, we, we come to a place where failure or time or whatever else has darkened our vision. Church, there's nothing like failure to darken your vision. So what do you need to do in a spot like that? You see, you don't need a better plan, right? You don't need to regroup and say, well, I used to do this. This would probably be good again. No, you don't need that at that point and that moment. And what's so cool here is that Jesus and Peter both know what's going on. And Jesus doesn't yell at Peter and say, see, you failed me, and now here I am again. You messed up, and now here I am staring at you down the face. And just to add insult to injury, I'm going to do exactly what you did before, but this time I'm going to say, and you lost it, buddy. You failed. No, look at what he does. Jesus, at that point, meets him where he is, and he makes him a breakfast on a fire of charcoal. Now, that's also a very, very important detail to the story. Because one other time in this, this book, those were, that word fire of charcoal is used. Can you guess when that was? It happened not long before this moment when a man named Simon Peter is standing before a young lady. And the Bible says that he was warming himself by a fire of Charcoal. You ever notice how smells take you back? You can remember back how it was when my wife makes ham. I remember back to how it was when I was a kid and at my grandma's house. My grandma loved making ham. And so I would smell that ham smell in our house and take me back to my with my grandma who made ham all the time. And I remember those times. I can still do it. It's been 30-some years. I'm still there. So as Peter is warming his hands by this fire of charcoal, that John is very careful and clear to mention this detail, I can promise you, Peter is thinking, I failed. I failed you. What's so cool about what Jesus does here, though, is that Jesus makes a new memory, right? Jesus takes what was once, and he now makes a new memory for him in this moment. See, the memories of failure come coming back, and so now the conversation makes more sense, doesn't it? So when Jesus says in verse 18, when they finished breakfast, he said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Now that word these there is a very, very specific word. It's a Greek word that means not people, it means stuff. It's things. There are two words for this, and Jesus does not use the word these for the people part. He uses it for stuff. So Jesus points to the boat, and he points to the nets. He points to the 153 fish that are sitting there and says, says Peter, Peter, I know you failed. I know this is your, uh, your way. I know you had a plan, and I know that it didn't work out. Do you love me still more than those things? Because I reminded you who you were. Do you still love me like that? Peter says, well, yes, Lord, of course you do. Of course I do. He says, well, feed my sheep. And then, of course, Jesus asks him again. Same spot, same moment, same thing. He's warming himself by a fire of charcoal. And Jesus says, Peter, do you love me more than 
knees and Peter says, well, yes, Lord, of course, you know I do. He says, Ted, my sheep. And then he said him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved, not angry, not bitter. The Bible says he was grieved. Now, when you're grieved, you look back and remember how it was. He said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. And he just said, feed my sheep. And then you skip down to the end of verse 19, and he says it again. He says, he says Peter, follow me. As long as there is breath in your lungs, you have another chance. But here's a couple of things from this passage really fast today. If you have to hear it which makes this so good. The first one is if you need a fresh start, you first need a word from the Lord. I can't tell you how many times I have failed and how many times type A, loud mouth, got a big plan, Steve Royalty has tried first to make a plan that's going to work. And how many times I've been reminded by my God in heaven, no, 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 very first before that, Steve, you need a word from the Lord. If you're in a tough time right now, what you don't need is a plan. Now, you might get a plan, right? But you have to hear first before that. You need a word from the Lord. You've you got to have that. And I, will, I believe with all my heart that until that becomes my focus and my everything, God is going to let you come up with a plan, right? He's going to let you come up with the best thing you can, and you're going to go out in the water, and you're going to do what you know to do, and you're going to fail. You're going to come back and say, I can't even do this right. But the first thing you need is not a better plan. You need a word from the Lord. Number two, Peter. Jesus is Peter. Failure may change your plans, but it doesn't change my plan for you. Follow me. God's plan for you hasn't changed because of your failure. God's plan for you hasn't changed because you can't get it. You might try a hundred times and fail a hundred and one times. You're like, that's it. The dream is over. The, de the time is dead. It ain't going to work. It ain't going to happen anymore. I'm sorry. I, it's just not going to work. And the, the, this, 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 this passage here shows us. Uh-uh. See, failure may change your plans, but it doesn't change God's plan for you. We think so highly of our effort in moments like this. We don't think enough about the reality and the truth of what God has called us to. Church, God gives good gifts. And they're not dependent long-term on your failure or your lack thereof. It doesn't depend on that. God's promise and plan is perfect. Now you can take yourself out of the running by doing this time and time and time and time again. And you're going to feel that there's a big giant F on your, on your, on your front because you're saying, I've failed and I keep failing. And people who are in this, po this point oftentimes walk around and that's who they are. I'm a failure. And yes, at times, God's dream has died with a person at the end of their lives because they, they have failed. But God's, God's promise hasn't died. You see, church, 
failure may change our plans, but it doesn't change God's plan for you. As long as there's breath in your lungs, you have another chance. That's the result of the goodness of our God. Amen? Not because you're great, not because I'm great, not because whatever. It's because God is so good. Stand with me across this room today. Last one, heads bowed, eyes closed. With every chance God gives you, there will be a call to turn every single time. If there is failure, if there is a moment like this, there will always be a chance and a turn and a moment for you to turn and walk away from that. We call this, we call this repentance in the church, but it means nothing more than saying, Lord, I'm sorry, I turn. I'm going to turn away from that. I'm going to turn towards you. Well, I'm going to turn away from what I was doing. I'm going to turn towards you. Jesus gave Peter a call when he says, do you love me more than these? Peter could have said, I love you, Lord, but fishing can, was really good to me. And you're God now, and the dream is over. I'm staying with this have done that he had to turn heads bowed eyes closed you might have to do that this morning as well you might find yourself in a spot in a place right now where you have failed and you know that you're there and it's pretty dark and pretty tough and the things are difficult right now and you're saying I don't know what to do about this you first need a word from God you secondly need to understand that God's promise that God's plan for you doesn't change based on your failure. And then thirdly, there will be a call to turn. Listen to his voice and do what he tells you to do. We find the story of Peter in the book of Acts changes the world forever because he listens in response and turns away. Man, this morning, if you're here today, you say, Pastor, I need Jesus in my life. I don't know him. I don't have him. I, I don't know who he is today. Or maybe you, you've given your life to him a long time ago, but you just found moments and time and failure and whatever else might be has darkened your vision of that. And you need to turn back to him this morning. If that's you today, I want to encourage you to raise your hand and say, today I want Jesus in my life once again or for the first time. Heads bowed, eyes closed. If that's you this morning, would you raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. This is a bold move. You better believe it's a bold move. It's the beginning of the greatest decision that you could ever make. If that's you today, put your hand in the air. We're going to pray. We're all going to pray this morning the same prayer today. But if your hand is raised, or even if it's not, and you just say, I just don't know where I can, but I want this. Would you pray with me this morning? We're going to ask Jesus to come into our lives and to turn us around. As long as there's breath in your lungs, you have another chance. That day will not stay forever, but it's here today. Dear Jesus, I love you. I don't know you yet, but I love you. I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for all I've done. Forgive me. Wash me. Clean me. Make me brand new. From this point forward, I'm yours. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said, amen and amen. Give God glory this morning, church, for those who have come to know Jesus.
As long as there's breath in your lungs, you have another chance. Again, heads about eyes closed this morning. Lord, you know who this message was for today. You also know, Lord, this message is for me. <laughs> Lord, I am reminded. Lord, I am reminded that you are good. I'm reminded, Lord, that this gift you give another chance, Lord, is a blessing. And though sometimes, Lord, we look at this as being, why me? Why now? Why can't I do what I know? Lord, your call, your purposes, your directives, your direction, walking like you, Lord, is a blessing, Jesus. There's blessing with that. This morning, Lord, I pray and I ask God you would minister in hearts and minds here today. Lord, if there are those here today that need just to hear this as an encouragement, awesome. If there are those here today that need to hear a word from you, Lord, speak. If there are those here today that God have found themselves in a place of failure, a place of brokenness, a place of darkness. And what they need right now, Lord, is not a plan. They need your voice. And they might need to turn and might need to go in a different direction. Lord, whatever it might be, speak. As the band plays, Lord, speak this morning. In Jesus' name I pray.